struggling to connect the dots across all your marketing channels? Want better insight into your customer journey? Then tune in to Talk Commerce, the top e-commerce podcast for multi-channel optimization strategies. I'm Veronica Costello, your resident Brit here to inject some class into these proceedings. In this episode, I'll be joining host Brent Peterson as he converses with Laura Hanlon of Pink Leopard on driving multi-channel success. Laura will share invaluable tactics on growing email lists, maximizing on-site pop-ups, advanced email sequencing, and cross-channel retargeting, essential knowledge for any brand looking to boost sales through integrated marketing efforts across social, search, email, and more. Brent will surely pretend to understand these concepts while pitching his subpar jokes from the Free Joke Project, but I'll be here to translate any jargon and stop him from embarrassing himself too badly. Before we get to all that though, a word from our sponsor, Content Basis, showing us why humans are important in all your AI generation. Now back to hearing how Laura can optimize your multi-channel performance. I'm Veronica Costello. Thanks for listening to Talk Commerce. Are you lost in the content creation chaos, struggling under the burden of high costs and complications? Does the thought of regular content posting make you break out in hives? We feel your pain, but don't despair. Your content hero has arrived. Introducing Content Basis, delivering unparalleled content creation and scheduling solutions crafted specifically for your audience and needs. Harnessing the power of AI, we efficiently deliver on-point content every time. Our US-based team meticulously reviews each piece, ensuring authenticity and precision. We value your unique voice and insights. You direct the final shape while we handle ideation to execution. With auto-scheduling, your content always finds its audience. And with bi-weekly check-ins, our strategies sync with your vision. At Content Basis, we're your dedicated ally in the content battlefield. From ideation to posting, we've got your content journey covered. Visit contentbasis.io and say goodbye to content chaos today. That's contentbasis.io. My name is Brent Peterson and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. And now, talk commerce. Welcome to this episode of Talk Commerce. Today I have Laura Hanlon. Ha- Laura is the founder and co-director at Pink Leopard. Laura, go ahead, do an introduction, tell us your day-to-day role and maybe one of your passions in life. Oh, hi Brent, thank you so much. Um, Yeah, so we're an e-commerce acceleration, growth acceleration agency specializing in paid social search and email marketing. Our zone of genius really is working with um, female-focused e-commerce businesses, so more in the sort of beauty, homeware and fashion space. Being a female founded business myself and also our team are predominantly female, it's just where our kind of expertise lie. My day-to-day role, I used to be a complete Facebook ad buying nerd, but I've um, (laughs) sort of taken a bit of a step 
back now as the um, co-director. So I'm more sort of head up the team, focusing on the, the media buying team that we're always you know, driving the best results for our clients and pushing forward with, with innovations. Um, my passions are, my well, my biggest passion sounds cheesy, but it's probably my two-year-old toddler. I don't really have time for much else at the moment, but I love going out and exploring new places, new coffee shops, places to eat, and also kind of going traveling with her too. That's great. Thank you. Um, and I know that uh, we did talk in the green room that you volunteered to be on the free joke project or maybe voluntold is a better word anyways i'm going to tell you a joke and all you have to do is will this joke stand up to the two-year-old or do you think that we should just throw it out the window um or or give it to the peaky blinders anyways here we go i'm going to tell you a joke how many teenagers does it take to change a light bulb one because they think the world revolves around them <laughs> A good yeah, one that, a, that, that, that's good. that'll be good for you in about 12 years <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, i think you'll you probably, can i think, you'll, oh, okay. sorry <laughs> i was gonna say i think i'm a big fan of dad jokes and i think you could definitely charge for that one in the ever-evolving retail landscape one platform is changing the game ushering in a retail renaissance that puts relationships at the forefront. Welcome to Endear. Endear is a CRM built for omni-channel brands, empowering them with the consumer data to deliver a personalized, efficient customer experience that drives sales and retention. Imagine a tool that intuitively understands your customers' needs, giving your brand a remarkable edge. Don't believe us? Geronimo from Rebag says, I've used every CRM from Salesforce down and Endear is the best one I've found for us. With Endear, your team isn't just selling products and crafting stories that resonate, nurturing connections that last. It's not just a CRM. It's a tool that empowers your sales associates to make personalized connections, bridging brands and customers like never before. Ready to redefine retail clienteling with a platform trusted by hundreds of omni-channel brands around the globe? Request your Endear demo today and enter a future of enriched connections and unparalleled customer loyalty. All right, thank you. Yes, um, <laughs> I, I, if I would have known you had a two-year-old and your English, I would have, I would have been much, much more segmented in my joke telling which which leads us right into email subscriptions but before we do that i do want to I, I do want to talk about if you don't mind could we talk a little bit about diversity in the entrepreneurship space um sure. i i've had this podcast for two years and and at one point somebody did point some at one time at one point somebody said hey you only have white males on your podcast what's the deal with that um and i think if you just um, yeah, I, I would. I just want to kind of open up that conversation about diversity and in in our tech space in general. Yeah, sure. More than happy to to go into this topic. I, I almost feel like sometimes we're the we're the other way. I feel like we've grown a a real female predominant team. So <laughs> sometimes I feel like we're kind of just um, you know sort of niching in in that area, but. Yeah, it is interesting. I, I really, um, we kind of really focus, started to focus on female founded businesses. Um, I guess, yeah, just being a female founder myself, but also there's just so much 
untapped opportunity in the in in this kind of world and yeah I think it's really important so I appreciate you having me on your show as a as a female entrepreneur <laughs> yeah um and so you know I I think for me I I I got into this habit of just taking on guests who were who would be given to me from um from a service who 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 and it seemed like all I was getting was a certain demographic and I feel as though you have to speak up and say something or you get kind of caught in a rut. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't want to go down too much on a rabbit hole, but um, I'm, I'm in a community in Minnesota where we are predominantly white and, and in my entrepreneur community, it seems like it's predominantly white males. Do you feel as it's harder for uh, a woman to break into some of those um, I don't know, sort of like glass ceiling or 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 commute or places where it's um, it seems to be like the old in the U.S. they called the old guys club or mm. something like that, where that you kind of have to break in. Yeah, I, th- I and I still think you know in the U.K. in general, it still very much is the kind of yeah white male club um, as well. I think. Is it hard to break in? I suppose as um, luckily, I guess now there's a lot more um, there's a lot more focus, isn't it, on the on equality? I was actually speaking on a panel um, not too long ago about about female uh, about equity in general, um, but I don't think I, I think it's more kind of especially in the UK and, and in this world. I, I do feel quite privileged now to be a female entrepreneur and a female founder because uh, like I said I I feel that it is different and more and more business owners are starting to appreciate that and think it's quite different so it's almost it's almost like a you know a bit of a a bit of a niche and a bit of a superpower of ours Um, I think I do think it's still a struggle for people who are sort of employees in the industry getting to the higher levels of the bigger agencies potentially not being a you know a white male but again I I kind of was never in the agency world before I started the business so I haven't had that experience um but as I say I do think it's a it's a real privilege and working with other female founded business owners which is which is my space we still work with a lot of male um you know business owners in the e-commerce space and there's never been any you know discrimination there that I found um so yeah Luckily, people are definitely talking about it more, and it's it's almost a more of a sort of trendy topic, I think, than it ever was. Yeah, and I um I, I don't I I don't want to say I don't want to say there's discrimination, but there is a bias, let's say, that is that is um, that I I feel it needs to be overcome, and and I'm I'm a proponent of at least talking about it, and I, I'm on a board for Entrepreneurs Organization here in Minnesota, and. We have a diversity and inclusion committee, and the goal of that committee is to make itself irrelevant, right? Because at some point, you don't need to be diverse. Mm-hmm. And, and the reali- realistically, uh, the world is pretty diverse. About half are female and half are male, and that's pretty diverse. Yeah. And so, we, you know, I, I think that at least just talking about it, and I, and I, and I apologize again for kind of throwing the topic out there because I know we're going to talk about marketing today, but I, I think it's an important topic and and you had you know in the very big and you said that you in the beginning you had said that 
your one of your targets is women entrepreneurs and women-led businesses. Um, and I, mm. I think it's important to at least give a voice to everybody. So, uh, anyways, yeah. what? Um, let's move on to marketing. Um, tell us a little bit about your approach to multi-channel um, and how uh, how Pink Leopard kind of helps along that. Yeah. So. We used to be, as an agency, just purely Facebook advertising, um, sort of when we started out about eight years ago. And that was, as I said, I was the, the Facebook nerd. And we really saw the incredible results from just an e-commerce store, running some Facebook ads, um, and really being able to grow and, and scale their business. But I think more and more so in the last sort of 12 months, there's been a real shift to moving to a multi-channel approach and it's so vital now we see you know results night and day when when our clients are working across multiple channels so across socials they might have facebook and tiktok ads running they've got organic social google ads and email marketing because they obviously play a number of different roles within the within the e-com and the customer buying journey and so really we pivoted about two years ago into not just being Facebook, but Google and email marketing too, and like TikTok and Pinterest, but obviously they fall under the social media banner. So um, yeah, it's it's really, really powerful. And I think it's, you know, e-com clients in particular really need to make sure that they have a multi-channel approach to marketing. We still do see so many clients that are just all of the eggs in one basket, just focusing on, on Facebook ads or just Google ads. So, yeah. And how do you help them measure that? I, I think that's one of the most important parts to help, help your client understand that if you are focused just on Facebook, that you, you have this, this very slim vertical that you're looking at. Do you help them understand by, by metrics that, Hey, look, look, we should be looking at Google. We should be looking at TikTok, things like that. Yeah, definitely. We start. We we often tend to, especially if it's a new client who's just purely focusing on, say, Facebook ads. Then we would um, start working with them with one service, and then slowly kind of introduce, you know, but bringing in Google ads as long as it's relevant for them, and we feel like it's going to generate the results for them. Um, obviously, product dependent, um, and then we'll also test TikTok ads and bring in email marketing too. So it's, it is important to not sort of, unless they're already running a lot of the things together, not throwing everything all in at once. So we can actually see the, the increase and the scale because it is like with marketing, it's so difficult to attribute, um, you know, in silos. So it's looking at the overall growth. Obviously there are, there are ways and means to, to track better, but it's never going to be perfect. So I'm a real advocate of, of sort of making sure that we can see the impact of each channel by introducing them, um, you know, sort of bit by bit and using attribution tools and software such as Triple Whale to really get into the, you know, into the crux of what's actually driving the the returns, but they all work in harmony. So it's difficult, as I say, to, to look at them just per channel. Is there certain verticals that you feel work for better, work better for each of those different platforms like LinkedIn would be good for B2B and Facebook is good for B2C or even some vertical within that B2C field? Yeah, definitely. I think um, 
sometimes it depends on uh so so really unique products with 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 facebook ads i find that for e-commerce there's more it's not vertical necessarily but it's more about the other sort of metrics such as average order values and and things like that if you've got a really really low average order value for facebook ads it won't necessarily it won't not work but it won't de- generate the returns that a lot of clients want to see with with direct return on on ad spend um but obviously it's a it's a place where people you know for for pretty things and um capturing people's attention so often fashion homeware beauty they they work really really well on on facebook ads and with google ads again it's again it's it's a lot of these different um niches work but in the fashion space we have to be a bit more cautious because if it's a client of ours selling a new client for example selling rainproof jackets no matter how cool they are there's you're competing against so many other and it's just another sort of rainproof jacket or a black jacket so we really have to dig a bit deeper to see you know who would be competing against the huge retailers all of the um you know department stores trying to trying to also get in front of clients so customers sorry so it depends um it depends on the product and then email marketing is it is has got to be for for literally every e-commerce store um just because it it provides a, a different service in terms of um the retention piece and also making sure that you're retargeting the the customers that come through your funnel if they haven't purchased straight away. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about email. Um, and, and I would like to kind of key in on that retargeting. Uh, when you say retargeting, you are you referring to somebody coming in through like a Facebook ad, then retargeting them to another platform or moving them to an email list or explain what you mean by that? Yeah, so I mean, if somebody comes through um, a Facebook ad onto the website and they add something to their cart, but they don't check out, obviously you can retarget them with Facebook ads and Google ads, but what more of a powerful way to to retarget them than being in an email automated flow? Um, and sometimes we don't necessarily even use retargeting ads. Um, well, since iOS, uh, came in and like took the Facebook world by storm, we often find that that retargeting element is is quite difficult um, within within Facebook ads and it doesn't work as well as it used to. But the automated email flows that we can drive generating Clavio works incredibly well. So yeah, that's what I kind of mean by the like email retargeting. Yeah, and I think that once you have that email address, the hard part is getting the email address right. The, yeah. If, if they don't, if they don't bother to make an account or even log in to the checkout, you don't actually know from a Facebook that it's that person. Mm-hmm. Um, it, unless there's a cookie written, right? Or you, you kind of have an idea who they are then. But that that's so important that I think people or merchants often miss out on the fact that collecting that email and at least knowing who they are and then you can associate that email the next time around on that retargeting uh maybe some do you have some tips or some ideas around how to get merchants to get people to build that subscription list yeah definitely so i think for um well for all stores in general making sure that you have a a pop-up on your website for people for just general traffic that comes onto your website with just enabling them and making it really clear that they need to put their details in their email address in and you know if 
with a bit more incentivization, put in their phone number for SMS marketing. Um, but making sure that you have that pop-up, you know, crystal clear, easy to put their details in and often with an incentive. So 10%, 15% off, you know, works incredibly well, but it also has to be the right offer for your brand. I've seen lots of other things like sort of gamification, quizzes, sometimes no discount, a free free um, product offer, all work really well. So that's an absolute must. Um, but we also are really finding great success with running targeted Facebook ads in particular um, to either a landing page that's specifically just there to capture email addresses for the um, email list or to the website where they can put their details into the pop-up, but also using the Facebook kind of native lead form ads to build the list. So we provide the offer within Facebook, build the list, and then we can automate that through Zapier into their email account, such as Clavio, and have the welcome flow um, automate off the back of that. And that's working really well. We still run e-commerce ads to drive purchases, but this is something that's just much, much cheaper because it's sort of less intrusive than trying to get people to buy straight away um it's also giving them you know an incentive and something that works really well for one of our um well for a few of our fashion clients who have sort of big product drops we build the suspense with you know the spring summer products coming to put their details in to be the first to know because pieces do sell out or there's a discount um and then we have really great email campaigns that that fall as soon as that product drop um, that product drops, and then that's what we're finding works really, really well um, with email and Facebook combined. Um, I've heard I've heard Clavio more and more lately. Um, do you recommend that platform in general compared to say HubSpot or something like that, or even Mailchimp as a free one or paid version? Is there a reason? why a lot of merchants seem to be going on Clavio? For e-commerce, definitely Clavio. I mean, for our Pink Leopard, for our own um, emails to um, our to other e-commerce businesses, I mean, it's just a really simple kind of newsletter-style email that we send, so I use MailChimp, but for our e- all of our e-commerce clients, is, we use Clavio, and that's just because of all the, like, just all the bells and whistles, really, that come that come with it um, and we have we've transferred clients over from other softwares to Clavio and even just moving them over because of their focus on deliverability um, and all the sort of back-end software that they have we see an increase in revenue just from moving them over and then there's just so many different things you can do with segmenting automation um, and also like all of the reporting and the analytics are just kind of really second to none in Clavio. Yeah, and I, and I don't work for Clavio. I was just interested, so. <laughs> yeah, nor do I, but I feel like I should now. <laughs> right, yeah, it's a very good plug, thank you. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, I think segmenting, what, what, is, what are, I mean, segmenting I think is one of the things that overlook, but what are some of the other things that merchants tend to overlook in that not multi-channel even, but even in email subscriptions, trying to get people to get on that list and um, and getting them on the list and then effectively sending to them. Yeah, so I think um, getting them on the list in the first place, I don't think there's enough emphasis. Um, I think a lot of 
a lot of businesses that we speak to just sort of hope that they're going to land on their list. Um, so they either don't have the pop-ups in place, as I sort of described earlier, or they don't have a specific campaigns running to generate um, email signups, or they don't actively sort of have like competitions or work with influencers to build their email list. They're all things that, that work amazingly well. Um, it's just sort of hoping by chance that their list will grow. And of course it will grow if you're spending a lot of um, money on paid ads. Um, but organically, you know, your list isn't going to grow if you're not trying to actively do so. Um, we also see a lot of um, with email flows, either email flows not being set up properly or they are they're not set up at all. Or the key email flows such as your welcome flow, your cart abandonment and your abandoned browser abandonment flows aren't set up and they're huge for driving revenue so if you're you know if you don't have those in place then you're really missing out on you know on a lot of money there that potentially could be coming through from that sort of retargeting aspect um and then you know continuing to to nurture those um those leads that you the prospects that you have coming through on a on a weekly or fortnightly basis sometimes we just see average flow set up and then they just sort of blast here and there just when it's promotional activity every two months to their list and they're not doing anything to like nurture and build and you know talk about the brand and just get that connection with their customer so that's something that we you know we're really hot on not just sell 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 but really using it as a, as a way to yeah to connect and build that relationship and ultimately that's where the sales then come from um i've heard a lot of recently or i've heard a lot of um marketing professionals say that sometimes a coupon can add friction to the checkout process and if especially around pop-ups i've had it where you're you're in the checkout then you decide um and then you because maybe you're you see some shiny object you leave the checkout for a minute and as soon as you leave there's a exit pop-up that comes up and says hey would you like 15 percent off <laughs> And suddenly that your cart, who they were going to check out, um, has turned into a coupon. Um, and then sometimes people think, oh, well, you know, because they see the coupon box, they're like, oh, I, I should be looking for the coupon. They yeah. leave and they go and start searching around. Um, number one, do you think coupons sometimes are a bad idea? And number two, is it always a good idea to auto-apply a coupon on a campaign that you're trying to get people to buy something? Yeah, I mean, there's so many ways to, to sort of do it. You can, um, <clears throat> and I totally get that because when I go into sometimes a checkout, I, <laughs> I do all the, all the things that I have taught myself to do for, for our clients' prospects. And I'm there a prospect myself, so I'm putting my detail in. I'm leaving it for 30 minutes to see if something will pop up. But... I guess it really again comes down to to each brand and what their strategy is. Um, I still there's still a lot of um, I tend to look at brands that I sort of look up to and and you know respect and buy from and think they've got um, incredible marketing and I think it's okay to offer that percentage off, but sometimes it's how you do it and maybe not having the pop up appear you know, immediately or not as you're about to buy. I think there's some terribly placed pop-ups and terrible timings that, you know, you lose out on that discount. Uh, you lose out on a, a partial amount of the sale because you've got a pop-up as soon as someone was about to buy. That's happened to me before. But I think we kind of do ex 
expect it now. So I, I think the best way is to offer that incentive on your first time purchase to not necessarily have the pop up, you know, absolutely immediately uh, waiting for someone to browse, not having the pop up for re repeat buyers as well. That's, you know, making sure that there's that exclusion, which you can do in Klaviyo. Um, but but yeah, I mean, there's there's pros and cons. There's definitely arguments for having discounts and, and against it. But I am a firm believer in using it or at least some form of incentive to to grow the email list. And again, if you're if you're a brand and you've got a product that people want, then sometimes I look for the discount. There's no discount, but I want that product so badly that I'm going to buy it anyway. So <laughs> Google like voucher codes, <laughs> Googling all sorts to see if I can find an incentive and then I just give up and buy it. <laughs> right. Uh, you, you mentioned about that sort of the, some of those best practices in the cart. I've found that some really larger companies or larger uh, D to C that sometimes their practices are not as good as some as a smaller merchant who may be going with somebody like Pink Leopard. And I'm wondering if there's like this tip over from a like a, you go with a, a marketing agency to you're big enough to have an internal team and then that internal team loses some focus or some uh, aspects of what the general market is doing. Like I think as an agency, Pink Leopard has the advantage of working with multiple clients who are seeing multiple facets of things coming in where if you're if you're focused only on your own product and your own team which is a great way to if if you have that resources to do that but do you feel as though sometimes you have a you have a leg ahead of even the really big companies and and giving your clients better service because of that yeah i i mean <laughs> Thank you um, <laughs> for the, allowing me to plug. I'm just joking. But yeah, I do think, um, I do think because we're, we are a boutique agency, but we have specialists within every area. And sometimes I think, you know, speaking to a, a billion, um, billion pound revenue company not too long ago, and they've got a really small marketing team and somebody who's just sort of doing the Google, the Facebook, they're doing the emails and you know that the, there's no specialism in there and so I think that's what that's where the difference lies with working certainly with a boutique agency because when I used to run the Facebook ads I still worked with a copywriter I still worked with a creative a graphic designer you know I was more the strategist so I think you know within marketing everybody thinks you're a marketer so you just do you can do a bit of everything and that's where I think the danger is of hiring an in-house team you can just sort of get a small team to do a bit of everything whereas we have as I say individual people who are really focused on email analytics if that's their job that's all they're focusing on and they're and like you say working across different brands in the same verticals as they are um, just making sure that we're always up to date with the latest innovations and I guess sometimes if you're in-house you maybe aren't yeah across that across different brands and also just mixing even mixing with other agencies we've got a tight-knit network of different agencies that we all share different kind of collaborative ideas and across different brands that we work with so that's really powerful yeah um i i i, I i'm thinking of a use case and and um i i, I bought a head pair of, um, uh, some sports headphones from a, um, a fairly large manufacturer and they they only have five or six products and I bought the headphones and then suddenly 
they asked me to be on their their email list and their and I signed up for my SMS. Suddenly, I was getting an email and a SMS message every week for the headphones that I just bought or oh. something around that. I, so I, I think I think also sometimes maybe teams get overzealous on some new technology and they really lean into it without thinking of the consequences they're going to do. Because obviously I I excluded myself completely from that list. And if they came out with a new product that's not the same thing as a headphone, I'm going to miss out because they were they kept just relentlessly selling me or sending me emails on something that I have. Yeah, that's that's annoying. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I guess sometimes, like you say, being in house as well kind of overlooks that, and you're just um, you hear of a tactic that works, and it's that's the difficulty with marketing. It's like you must send an email every single week or twice a week to the same um, you know customer base, and then that's that's what they do, and there's no kind of strategic thinking or thinking outside of the box um whereas working collaboratively you know we have to make sure everything's right to make sure that we're staying with the 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 partner the business that we're we're working with and we often work with the you know either marketing director or sometimes the the founder themselves um so yeah it's it's obviously in our real very best interest to make sure that the the strategy is on point and will be told if it's not if there's a case like that but yeah that's that is so frustrating I'm it's a a real bugbear of mine and just people also blasting to the whole database all the time with no personalization it just puts you off and and like you say you're gone (laughs) yeah and I only bring up that illustration because as a merchant you often think you look to the really big brands to be the experts about that they're they're an expert in their own market right but oftentimes they're, they don't always have the best expert practices around marketing. And I, I think that you could look at merchants even as three different levels. Somebody who's small enough with, who, who wants to just or has to do everything on their own. Then there's a the level that reaches out to an agency and they ask for that help and they look for the expertise of that agency. And then mm-hmm. you get into the really big, big brands that just are just going to do it on their own. And then maybe they'll go external for those reasons that we talked about earlier to get a different perspective on things. But mm-hmm. from a merchant standpoint, every everybody's in a different place. And I think that the more you can do to help and measure and, and be on top of things, the better you're going to be as a brand, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you know, we have a few minutes left. If you have, uh, if you had a, a like a nugget that you could give a merchant right now on on how to get like get a handle on or even assess their multi-channel journey, uh, what would that be? Oh, I would definitely. I think. What would it be? I think definitely trying to look at your entire you need to as I say really look at the results from each channel individually to see and just make sure that you completely understand like all of those KPIs as to and to you know what success looks like for each channel like what's good what what return on ad spend is good for each channel to see if it's actually you know profitable for you and working for you but not focusing so much on just 
that's another thing that we see a lot of businesses doing is just focusing so much on those silos and not looking at them something like either looking at google analytics or triple way or just having that one other source of truth that you can look at for an entire picture to make sure that all of those uh, areas are working in harmony doing the job that they're supposed to and you know providing the returns that you need um, all right, last question. I know I said I had the last question, but I have one more question. As a merchant, as a platform, what? Or as a, I'm sorry, as an agency, are you seeing a dominant platforms that merchants are on and or want to go to in terms of, hey, I want to host my e-commerce store on X or Y or Z or whatever? And I, I, I probably already know the answer, but I'm interested <laughs> to know... The number one, which one is the really big with the the big Goliath out there, and is there an up and comer you feel is oh, that that is there an up and comer for e-commerce, and is there one that you just see everybody moving away from? Do you mean in terms of the web, as in like Shopify kind of thing? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that <laughs> it's kind of like an unwritten. I know. Well, yeah, I mean, Shopify is. Uh, is yeah it's it's huge i think i see a lot of a lot of clients moving towards that but i suppose well a lot of clients are already on shopify um an up-and-comer i think the only i can't necessarily say that anyone stands out as an an upper up-and-coming platform but we do see bigger clients wanting to move away some moving to their um own web developed hosting site because that they can just have more functionality and do things that you know they don't want to be fit fit inside a box like shopify um so yeah but shopify is like (laughs) i've just got this big green (laughs) shopify branding in my head now (laughs) right sorry about that yeah so so like they're they're on shopify and then they decide they want to be a little more custom so they go to something like shopware or magento or something like that or adobe commerce yeah 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 exactly exactly those um which yeah i I understand the logic of both i mean we don't do web development so it's not something it's not you know something that i'm hugely uh familiar with and kind of sort of yeah in that heavily embedded in that space but it's just that's what most of our clients are on or, or move towards and do you care what platform they're on does it matter to you as a marketer um i think i do like it when they're on shopify because it feels easier as a marketer to integrate um you know to set up their pixels and cappy and we've got a developer who uh, we work with an external developer and that's kind of his preferred platform for or his knowledge anyway um and then just integrating with clavio and all the other triple whale is only shopify so that's kind of yeah some of the only real reasons that we feel relieved if they're on Shopify (laughs) right all right so uh, I um so Laura as we close out the podcast um I give everybody a chance to do a shameless plug about anything you'd like to plug what would you like to plug today okay great well um I guess just if I mean, we're always happy to do whenever we work with a new prospect, we do an, a complete audit of 
everything that you're currently um, doing to see if we can see where the opportunities are and if there's room for improvement. So we're always happy to audit anybody's um, social search or email accounts. And you can also, if anything has resonated with you, have any questions for me, you can always reach out to me on, um, well, our website is www.pinkleopard.co.uk. Um, um, I'm Laura Hanlon, so you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to, to chat or ask, answer any questions. Great. And I will make sure I put all those in the show notes. Um, and you work with people that spell like flavor correctly and, and like colors, <laughs> or do you only work with people that O-U-R on the end of those type of words? <laughs> any, any spelling. We love our, our <laughs> partners across the pond as well. <laughs> we have to get ourselves organized right now for our schedule. Anyways. <laughs> um, sorry, uh, I'll, I'll stop. Laura, thank you so much for being here. I, I know we, we planned on 20 minutes and we've already gone to 35, so I appreciate you spending a little extra time. Um, and um, I will put all those in the show notes, and I thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great chatting to you. Thank you for making it to the end of this episode of Talk Commerce please rate this episode wherever you download your podcasts. We are actively looking for people to participate in the free joke project. Go to talk-commerce.com and sign up for your free spot on the free joke project. If you are a business, I will do a 30-second elevator pitch in the spot to help promote your business. That's talk-commerce.com. <laughs>